0: Bonjour live sparklers. it's Claire. Welcome on the Integral Life Podcast and thanks for listening. Here we explore stories, wisdom and tools for shifting from resistance and stress to resilience and living the life you choose. My guest today worked as an air traffic controller for 20 years and is a master life coach and an emotional intelligence and mindfulness facilitator. He wrote a book called The Price of Heartbreak, inspired from what he calls his year from hell. That was also the beginning of a new chapter in his life, where he has learned from experience how getting out of his comfort zone was a key element of growth and becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable most days. He developed a method called the Aura Method And knowledge, understand, responsibility and action that helps people who struggle emotionally. Today, he is committed to sharing his journey of growth with others to inspire and connect. And yes, Rick is coming back from the second time. This is the second episode. So if you didn't listen to the first one, well, go and listen to it. In today's episode, we dive even more on emotional intelligence, relationship, and how men and women can communicate better. Yes, it's possible, and much more. So stay tuned. You said something that struck me earlier. You said men figure things out before talking, and I was like, wow, yeah. But women, we actually talk to figure things out. So we have different ways of communicating, and we need. I think we need to understand how we both communicate so we can find a, a common ground. Yeah.
1: What's interesting about that, again, personal experience. What's interesting about that is like, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew there was something wrong and I kind of had an idea what was wrong <laughs> yeah. and I needed to talk about it, but no, no, no. I needed to come up with the answers for myself on my own. And now I could engage in that conversation. Well, that doesn't work because women want to have that conversation and men when they when when they're talking about a a bad day men like responsibly just they want to tell them what to do no they don't want to know what to do they (laughs) want you to shut up and just listen and the other way around when you know when a man goes silent when I went silent um A woman's reaction is 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 really interesting in the sense that they will say anything, they will do anything, they will whether it's hurtful, whether it's not, it doesn't matter. They just want a reaction. They don't care what it is. They want to know that you're alive, that you're awake, and they'll do and say some very interesting things. And then we either get defensive and we lash back, or we shut down even more. Well, I shut down. So, and at that point in time, you know, the woman is living with a ghost and. and then she has to make the decision to leave, and then we wonder why so um yeah that's uh that's that kind of uh path you know and then you know frustration turns to resentment and then resentment turns to uh, uh what is it um that s- something more than that but once you get to the um once you get to that point, then there's some really serious work to be done so if you can tackle the point at resentment, then yeah. you can have a better chance of understanding each other. But what you said is so true. Like We, we both speak English, but we're on different planets when I come to <laughs> yeah. trying to vo- verbalize that. And men are a lot less confident, if I can say that, about talking about emotional stuff and their feelings than women are. And women are, are, are pretty good at that stuff. And if we would just open our eyes and get into the present moment and be present and listen, yeah, we could, we, a lot of us could learn a lot from that, from women and how to express ourselves because that's, that's huge. Yeah. Wow.
0: Listening. Yeah. Um I think listening should be a skill that sees taught in school. I mean so many things, but listening is definitely one of them. Yeah. So many people but listen that, I think they are listening while they are just waiting for the good moment to intervene and say their stuff. It's
1: Oh, absolutely. And it it is um um it it is like I use the word competency, but it's it hearing and listening are two different things. Yeah. And in, in order to listen, you need to be, number one, be quiet. Well, I think my grandmother told me that's why we have two ears and one mouth. You should be listening twice as much as you should be talking, <laughs> and, uh, which is true. But you, you get to the point where um, there's different kinds of listening. If you're, if you're listening and, and, and like you just said, you know, the other person has said something and now you're formulating an answer in your mind
0: mm.
1: and you, you're not even listening to everything else that she's saying from that point so you're actually creating a rebuttal to what she's saying but if you can still your mind and just totally 100 percent listen and sort of put aside all the distractions around you that that is that is very powerful and part you know part of that also is like good listening is kind of and we do this in coaching and stuff is like okay you're kind of not repeating, but you're you're feeding back what that person is saying, and they get they get the idea that wow, okay, this person's really listening to me because they're they're, they're understanding what I'm saying. So uh, knowing somebody and understanding somebody is still is two different things. Mm. So we just need to get to the listening and understanding part, and uh, you know, that makes a big difference. But you know this.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we can never tell it enough. <laughs> I no, you're right so many times and
1: you're and to your listening point you're absolutely right it might be like the fourth or fifth or tenth or fifteenth time that somebody's listening to the same message and then the penny drops they finally get it yeah. okay that was worth the energy and the weight it, it finally, <laughs> yeah. they finally get it that was worth it yeah
0: yeah totally but don't you think that a lot of these i mean these struggle that men have sharing emotions and so on is due to um, thinking vulnerability is the same as weakness, whereas totally. for me, it's a strength, actually. But. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Um, I, like I said, I would recommend Brene Brown reading to, to, to every yeah. guy on the planet because she talks all about that stuff. Um, and it's about uh, embracing shame because they're not as good as society tells them they should be. Um, or they're something less than um, they've been led to believe to be by mentors and their parents or teachers and, and, and all these types of things. So, yeah, it's and that's where I was. I mean, vulnerability. Hey, no way. I'm, I'm not letting anybody get near me. I'm not letting anybody near my heart. And you know, and I'm not. I'm not going there. But when you do two things happen. You, you become very empowered because there, 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 there's so much substance to actually opening your heart up. And that creates a pathway for personal growth and better mental well-being as a result, if that all makes sense. So for men, it, it, it's a huge first step. It really is. Uh, however. Um, like a journey of a thousand miles st- starts with one step. So once you keep taking those steps, you know, one after the other, one after the other, and then you realize, and myself personally, uh, I'm in such a better place now than I was three years ago, mm. but everybody needs to, um, it's not right or wrong. I mean, everybody needs to find that formula that works for them. Right. I mean, And you, I, I, you know, this as well, like a lot of people respond to NLP. Some people respond to, uh, uh, other kinds of therapy and, uh, you know, until they find something that resonates with them and then they start biting into it and grabbing onto it. And that, and that works for them. So not one thing works for everybody. And that depends on the personality type and the path that they've, they've taken in life and, and, and what those experiences have actually meant to them. So that's, that's a huge choice in itself. Once you start getting down that road.
0: Yeah, it's so important what you're saying because not everything works for everyone, no. but there is a solution for everyone. Yeah. And it's just a matter of finding what's, exactly. what is resonating with you. Yeah. And I found so many times, because pain, we, um, we lost the art of dealing with pain in our societies. Yeah. We just yeah. this, What we call positive for me is doing more wrong than, yeah. than good. Because we are, actually for me, positivity would be being... Able to acknowledge the pain when there is, and often people turn positivity into "I'm good," <laughs> some kind of denial. No, 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 it's, uh, it's all you fine. It's all right. Yeah. I, I can. I can do it, <laughs> pushing through, and so uh, and so on. Yeah. And many people, when they see you in pain, they don't know how to react, and they can give yeah. you the worst advice. First, most of the time, like you said, you, you need listening when you are in a bad place. Yeah. You don't need advices; just need to be seen where you are and you are not broken. And you don't need advice. And most most people will give you the most absurd advice based on their experience. So it can go from, hey, we come up. you should go and see a comedy film, for example. (laughs) Or, oh, have you tried to Yeah, I've done that and it was great for me. And like, yeah, maybe, but. Oh, yeah.
1: The best example of that, I think, is when you go to somebody's funeral and nobody knows what to say, like, when they
0: go to a funeral.
1: And sometimes, you know, uh, um, give you an example. I wasn't at the funeral, but I'll give you an example. I was here in Baghdad. That was a few years ago. And, uh, there was a huge explosion in Karada in, uh, in one of the suburbs in Baghdad and 300 plus people died. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. And I was talking to one of the guys that I was working with and, uh, uh through the conversation, he said, uh, like, how was your weekend? He says, well, it really sucked, you know? And, uh, so what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, uh, I buried seven family members yesterday. And I looked at him and, and uh, uh, I said, wow, that's really effed up. Like, really? And he looked at me and goes, mm. yeah, it is. You know, Sometimes a lot of people don't know how to deal with that kind of information. And uh, yeah. like I said, I use, the, I use the analogy of going to a funeral and then people, they they fumble all over themselves when an actual fact, if you just walk up to the person that's just lost somebody, it's like, hey, yeah, it, it's, it's gotta be rough. I'm just here if you wanna talk. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's just, gee, thanks. You don't have to throw in all the other mumbo jumbo. Because people know that it's not authentic. people People pick up on that very quickly. And it makes it worse, as you said. So uh, if you just be, you know, authentic in what you're saying, and you know, really come back, come like come across with with some empathy, um, people appreciate that a lot more, a lot more.
0: Oh yeah, most of the time. I mean, this I learned pretty early in in my life that actually people have these reactions not. To comfort you, I mean, and they don't know it. It comes from kindness, but they're not aware of what they're doing. Yeah. But it really comes from a, an escape to be comfortable themselves, because they are not comfortable for, with your pain. So they are trying to cheer you up. Yeah, in the end, to feel comfortable themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't want to feel the emotion.
1: Yeah, I mean, and uh, very quickly another example is somebody that's in a de- in, like in a, in a being is in a depression. You know, they don't want to hear all, all you do. You, you just got to get out more. Yeah. No, that's not the way it works. It's <laughs> yeah. not the way it works. So in actual fact, and people do have a good side of them, everybody, and they, like you said, they they try to help. They, try, they want to be mm-hmm. there for you, and, and they just make it worse because they have no idea how to actually approach those kinds of situations. And you're right. It's through their own uncomfort, discomfort, mm-hmm. rather, And, uh, or there's some sort of fear that they've never acknowledged. They don't know from that fear how to express themselves in certain situations. So, uh, again, not everybody's aware, um, and probably, as you know, probably 90, 95% of the planet are struggling and for these reasons. And, uh, it's, uh, if you're into uh, whatever coaching and, and any kind of healing, um, uh, business. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. can it escapes me, but it's a target rich environment. Like everybody has issues about something and they don't know, they don't know where to go with most of it. And in, in the book, I sort of wrap it up by saying, you know, two or three things, like number one, no matter what you're going through, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, suicide ideation, all those types of things, number one, you are not alone.
0: Yeah.
1: Because when you're laying on the covers in bed, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you've been there since yesterday, you think that you're the only person in the world going through this. You're not. And the second biggest message is basically you need to talk about it. Do not keep this stuff to yourself. I don't care if you talk to a you know, 1-800 number. Uh, or, uh, you know, a stranger, or your best friend, or your partner, or your dog, I don't care, talk about it, and listen, and be aware of what you're saying when you're talking about it, I think those two, those two things are the biggest, are the biggest messages, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and actually, even before, when we don't feel like we can talk to anyone, even journaling is helping to see what's going on.
1: Yeah, you're you're kind of talking to yourself when you do that. So um, obviously, if you walk around talking to yourself out loud, I mean, people are going to think you need to be checked in somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good plan. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, journaling does that. And like I said, the historical, the history, the historical Mm -hmm. trail of journaling is really, really helpful because you can go back and look at some of those things you wrote and realize, gee, I don't think those things anymore. You know they don't have somebody said once that it's a, a memory without the pain becomes wisdom or something like yeah. that yeah yeah, so yeah, been through that, and that's it's very, very true actually it's just so much more relaxing when you get to the other side of that
0: yeah, and I think for people struggling because we said that but Surprisingly, lots of people go through depression without being aware of what's going on. And so they will never yeah. say, yeah. they will never acknowledge to themselves that they have a depression. No. They, will, they will say stuff maybe like, I'm a little bit stressed or I don't yep. know.
1: Having a bad day.
0: Sleep that much. Still, yeah. Exactly. In a
1: bad mood. But yeah.
0: you don't hear. And if no. you don't ask the questions, they will never say what's going on and they, yeah. they don't know. So journaling can be a, a way as well to become aware of that because yep. it, for, I don't know, if it's the 19th uh, day in a row, you write, yeah. I'm not feeling well and I'm not sleeping and you, yeah. can, you have a record of that and you can yeah. go back and say, wow, I've been feeling that for three months now. Maybe, yeah. it's, there is something, maybe it's not just a bad day, it's, it's yeah. something more.
1: Yeah, you're right. We get wrapped up on we get wrapped up in our own day-to-day thing, day after day after day. We get on automatic. We're not really paying attention to what's going on around us, even, and we're just sort of sort of trapped inside our own head when we get to that point. And it it usually takes something or someone to kind of break that down, break through, and say, "What's going on with you?" And sometimes, you know, it's interesting with people with depression. Uh, again, we avoid, we avoid those com- uncomfortable situations. We know something's wrong, but we're afraid to ask. You know? and even as a friend or, or a partner, like, uh, you know, sometimes when you're saying, like, hey, are you okay? And then it's all, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what? I'm not. And you're the first person in two and a half months to actually ask me that question. Thank you. And they don't really necessarily have to have an answer at that point, but it's enough to probably open that door and make that mm. realization if that makes sense yeah. yeah yeah very true
0: yeah yeah so at what point did you because you began to journal for yourself yeah. like if i understood well it was a kind of healing process for you as well yeah and at what point did you decide or did it become okay i I'm, this is becoming a book i have to to publish that I mean, not. I know that's not exactly a journal you, you wrote. No, uh, yeah, producing.
1: you're right. A couple of people close to me, um, um, it's a short story actually, but a couple of people close to me, said, <laughs> uh, they read some of the stuff that I was writing. Um, and they said, wow, this is really powerful stuff. Like, this is really, really good. And yeah, whatever. I mean, you know lots of people are very, very good writers. And you never think yourself again, this is the whole thing about being kind to yourself. You never think of that, what you're writing is like any good or not. And, and then when that kind of seed kind of started to germinate and I, it literally, I was doing it randomly, haphazardly. And then I had to put all these pages out on the floor in my apartment and I had to then go through it geographically and put it all together (laughs) And and I put it all together. And then I'm still, and then, And then some people make them and say, okay, well, I can make this better. And you can do that for years and years and years and never publish Mm. the book. I mean, again, somebody else said once that uh, publishing a book badly is better than publishing a book, a good book that was never, that was never done. If that makes sense. Mm. So, you know, it's better to go through that process and it is a learning process. So a friend of mine was, uh, his wife was visiting. She worked in the publishing industry for about 19 years as a, as a, as a representative. And, uh, I gave her the transcript and she read it twice in two days. And I remember he had her, he, he he was showing her around work. And I, I came out of the office at the end of the day, as they were walking down the hall. And and as I came out of the office, I was actually literally walking beside her and she takes my hand, my right hand with both her hands. And she said, Rick, she said, seriously, you need to put this out there. It's." A powerful message and you need to do this and I thought wow I mean I just met this woman uh, days before and um, that pushed me over the edge because you do like you get on this you get you get standing on the edge and you're overlooking the cliff and you just don't want to take that step because you don't know whether you're going to fall or fly. And it's so, so difficult. And mm. I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And uh, I did, and I don't regret doing it, not for a second. Um, and like I said, it's, it's never, it was never about being a published author. It was more about, okay, um, if I can raise some awareness about maybe what I would, and, and nowhere in the book does it tell you what to do. Yeah. It's just my experience. And if you can resonate with that, and there's like I don't know five or six things at the very end about what I learned from all of that and and maybe what I was going to do differently um, and I've lived up to most of that stuff over the last couple of years so that was the that was the part that was that one little conversation that pushed me over the edge to say, "Get over myself, get over my fear, um, put my vulnerability out there and do it. So it was that very short kind of 30 second, you need to do this, which pushed me over the edge. (laughs) And it was scary. And sometimes when I think about it now, it's still a bit scary, but it's okay. It's okay.
0: It makes me think about what we were saying about um, this feeling that when we are struggling, we feel like it's only us and everyone around us is happy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thereafter, <laughs> and we are the only ones struggling. But once we begin to talk, we realize, okay, everyone has a story.
1: Oh God, yeah. I mean, you know, I think the only common um, uh, resonating factor when people start, you know, talking about their experiences, because it, when the, you talk about it, it triggers something similar in the other person, is basically what you were feeling. How you got there and all the players and what happened are all different. But it's that like, okay, heartbreak. Yeah, everybody goes through it. Yeah, I get that. All the players, the story, the journey, it's all different. But that feeling is the same. And that's kind of what people resonate with. Yeah, I felt that very same way. And I really suck. Now, let me tell you the part that I get to where I had, you know, and, and then they, then they trade circumstances and there's a, there's almost a bond where, yeah, that they get to that same place, but the journey is different. And that's where that bond comes in, where you're saying, yeah, I really get where you're coming from because of the same thing kind of happened to me, but it happened differently.
0: Yeah. And I love what you say that you don't share, uh, you don't give advices, or you don't tell people what to do. But no. only, first off, like you say, only being recognized, being being able to read, okay, someone or here, and that's why I'm doing mm-hmm. this podcast. By the way, it's yeah. in, a, in a similar way of. I know for myself when I began to own my story for myself first, that was powerful. I was yeah. the same story that was shutting me down for literally for years. became just who I am. And it's also part of my story. It's also made me more resilient today and it made me who I am. Yeah. So why should I be ashamed or whatever? uh, Absolutely. You're you're
1: the one. But you do that to yourself. I do that to me. Yeah. Nobody else is thinking that, only me. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And uh, we can be very cruel to ourselves. And... uh, but again, like I said, it's a journey. And um, when people start sharing um, and they open that door, it's almost as if you have now kindred spirits because, yeah, I get that. I understand where you're coming from. And uh, and then what's interesting after that conversation happens is the different stories that people have about getting better, getting well, moving on.
0: Those are yeah. interesting
1: as well yeah. because everybody knows why they got to, like, having their heart broken and it's, diff- it's interesting how, you know, they take ownership of that and, and move on to something that's different and more healthy,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And only, and again, because we, we shared a lot about how you can be in a very bad situation and not seeing that or not wanting yeah. to, to see. And so hearing and, or reading stories of others can help us actually recognize, yeah. oh, um, actually, yeah. I'm there. so maybe i could do something about this but then i saw the experience of the other person being there and back or forward because you're never going back you're always going forward so it you don't have a choice there yeah (laughs) you you, it gives possibilities as well because often when you're at the bottom of the of the speak you don't even see where or how you could get out of there
1: yeah and it's interesting what you mentioned about advice. Like um, I'm not qualified to give anybody advice mm. because the only advice I'm going to give anybody is based on my own experiences, yeah. Yeah. which has nothing to do with them. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, just, you know, I like apple pie. You don't. I can't tell you to go eat apple pie. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, we're just so different that way. And that's why, you know, not giving advice and telling people what they should do is mm. more, it's more about, well, you know, like, I did these couple of things that kind of worked for me. I don't know what that would do for you, uh, but some people in the name of being helpful and supportive will say, you need to do this, and you need to go see this person, and, you, and it's just, it's so damaging because that even just confuses the person even more. Yeah. You think about the times when somebody's trying to tell you to do, say, like, well, should I do that, or should I not, oh, maybe, I think I'm on the right track, but that's per- maybe this person seeing something I'm not seeing. Well, of course, they are because it's based on their life and their experience. So, yeah, yeah. advice is not a good thing sometimes.
0: <laughs> and actually, I, I love something you said uh, before the interview where you were saying that the more you were talking, you were speaking your story, yeah. the more you were learning from it because obviously each day is a different day and you're telling yeah. it to a different person who would yeah. have different feedbacks. So, you're learning all the time.
1: It's true. And you know, sometimes the other person that you're talking to brings out everybody, I think, brings out a different part of you, I think. And Mm. uh, um, during those experiences, I didn't even realize that I was doing it for the first couple of times. But then I started paying attention to what I was saying. And I was paying attention to how they were responding to Mm. what I was saying. And, and again, like Brené Brown says, like, not everybody deserves to hear your story. Totally. You know, so you know, it, it's okay to be uh, uh, very be picky and choosy about who you share those things with. And uh, it was interesting that something they would say would trigger something that I had forgotten about or hadn't come to the surface.
0: Yeah.
1: And because again, you know, they're asking a question based on their own experiences and their own life journey. And that would trigger something that I hadn't thought of. And then I would talk about that and talk my way through that. And I drift a bit because I'd be thinking, God, I never thought about that in that way. So if you pay attention, that's a growth experience in itself. Mm. Yeah.
0: So now you're working on a new project of writing, collecting stories actually, and writing a book based on other people's stories. How did these projects come to life? What made you decide that? (sighs)
1: I don't know the answer to that question. All I know is that, um, no, quite honestly. uh, And I thought,
0: well, I I love this answer actually. (laughs) I love the honesty of that. Yeah.
1: No, it's true though. And what I thought about again is like, I realized that there's a lot of people out there going through a lot of stuff. And this, this, this first book was, you know, my story and people were hounding me. Okay. When's the next one? What are you going to write about next? And what are you doing this? and And I thought, well, I don't know. And I thought that, um, as we do to ourselves, I thought, well, the first book was a bit selfish. And I say that proudly because it did help me. It was selfish. So, you know, how do you, uh, how do you give back in the sense that, well, you, you, you take that sort of the content out of that first one, which was mine, um, and then maybe talk to people about what they experienced in, 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 in similar aspects of their lives. And I thought I would try that. And I talked to a friend of mine. She's a healer. And I talked to a friend of mine. And uh, she blew me away. Like, she sat down. She's very honest. And she, I recorded it. And she just blew me away. Uh, and I thought, holy crap. Like, I thought I had a bad time. Like, this person is, is just a just meek and mild woman. And she was so loving. And just been through so much. And when I wrote the story, and I we, we you know, and I sent it back to her, so you need to read this, see if I got all the story right. And then when I sent her back, you know, when she read it, she said, "I cried three times," and that I wasn't expecting. And then she said, "I never realized what a bad place I was in, or yeah. fully realized what a bad place was I." In obviously yeah. and it was really interesting for me to hear my story through another person's eyes, if that makes sense. And that kind of blew me away a bit and uh, well a lot. And I thought, wow, like maybe I've touched on something here about, you know, people's reincarnations in life. Because yeah. we all a lot of people go through that. And just her saying I was reading my own story, almost removed from it. And it was so emotionally impacting for me that, like, I really loved it. And we made some some changes to it. Now, the second story was my daughter, and uh, she again, like, sh- she's all for. She's taking psychology in university. She's all for, you know, making uh, mental health awareness. And and uh, we had that conversation. I said, before we do this, like, read Laura's story. And she read it, and she said, "Wow, like, if my day sucked." I would read Laura's story, and my day's not so bad so and that's kind of the idea and and then she she was willing to share her story with me, and that would have been the first per- first time she talked about that in a number of years, really, and it was hard for her it was hard for me to listen to it, but uh, we got there in the end so two very powerful stories that um, I think can like help people move through their life a little bit more or if nothing else they can make themselves realize that no like two things number one that again i'm not alone there's other people going through my stuff and number two my stuff is not as bad as other person's stuff so i shouldn't feel so bad but i still need some to do something about that does that make sense and that's kind of yeah, how that that's kind of how that kind of took on a life of its own a little bit so and that's just kind of uh, sort of a, a thing in progress
0: yeah, super interesting. And I hear a lot of people just having difficulties to understand mental health, like me- psychological pain. They can totally see, okay, you broke your leg, you need to stop walking for yeah, a while and yeah. use crutches and so on. They get that. But then yeah. you're being depressed. It's like, just get out and see people. Yeah. And they, they have really a hard time feeling that it, can, it's, it is pain. It's not well. It is. in not, doesn't yeah. make it less or more uh, a okay. pain. So it's really, for me, it's just impossible to compare um, stories and, and psychological pains because it's yeah. all about, the situation is not enough. It's all about how do you live this situation? How aware yeah. are you of your emotions and how can you deal with them? Yeah.
1: And I think that's kind of where the shame comes in, mm. I think, you know, and, yeah. and people... Wrap that kind of story that you just described around shame, and then you know they struggle with it even more. Um, yeah. And uh, the other thing is about you know if you speak about these types of things from a physiological standpoint, the the, the mind, the brain, it, it doesn't know the difference between uh, an experience you're having right now yeah. and one that you're having in your head. Yeah. The pain centers don't distinguish between physical and emotional pain. Mm. It's the same stuff. It's the same chemicals that are kicking out into your body. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that. But it, it is and, – and that's why when some people say, um, unless you've been there, oh, you're just having a bad day or you've just in a, been in a bad mood these, these few weeks. Oh, you're Just a little bit of depression. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll move on. And they don't get the pain part. Because there, there are, if you pay attention you know, and, and, and you feel where that discomfort and pain actually is in your body – and I get it right in the middle of my chest, about halfway down. Um, it can be excruciating. You know, it can be debilitating. And uh, for people in extreme cases, it, you, know, you could end up in hospital because of this type of pain. So there is no difference in the head, but where that pain comes from so, uh, and how to deal with it. But that's, you know That would be the difficult part because, again, they, they haven't gone out and learned that. They're not aware of that, and they don't know what to do with it until they actually get some help and some directions and some yes. guidance. And have you thought about this? Have you thought about yes. that? Well, gee, no, because we never come up with the solutions to our problems all on our own. It's impossible. So that's why people like you are out there in the world raising these messages so that people can actually live a more fulfilled
0: life. Yeah, it's a story of a friend having his glasses on his, uh, on his nose and asking you where his glasses yeah. are. Yeah. You not see them because they are just...
1: Yeah. I mean, I've done it. I've been yeah. working, I've been working on the house, <laughs> walking around with a hammer in my hand saying, where's my hammer? You're <laughs> carrying it. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's the world we live in.
0: And I have actually a question about working on, on that book. Where's the line... Be, between um, I mean as an enabler of people telling their story, how do you live uh, how do you deal with sharing sometimes intimate stories with still keeping uh, authentic and honest but at the same time respecting the boundaries of the person sharing the story so that they don't feel pushed you know to, to share I don't know, too much for them or to go where they don't want to or
1: yeah um, so balancing.
0: To- Boundaries and authentic authenticity at the same time.
1: Yeah, I, I think people have their own boundaries, whether they're, they're they're good enough boundaries or they have a lack of boundaries. I mean, that's up to up to them mm. to decide. Um, I think that yeah. the two people that I've done at the moment, uh, you know, it's a bit of a uh, closed box in the sense that I already knew them and they trusted me. That was a big trigger, yeah. and I think that. Um, with someone who is, a, I mean, just the people I know, it's a target-rich environment. There's a three or four other people that I know that that want to do this. Um, so there's there's not really, you know, I don't have to probably go out into the general public, which I should do, and I I will, I hope to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a, an explanation before anybody would want to share that personal kind of uh, story, where okay, they would reply to whatever the messaging is going to be and say, okay, yeah, I think I'd like to do this. So number one, there's a decision by the other person. And uh, I think that when you sit down and you have that conversation, um, they have to feel very quickly comfortable with you as a person. Yes. Uh, that can come with the words that you use and how you use them. And if you give, if you give and this, this is where the first book comes in, if you give them a bit of a background, say, yeah, I've been there, done that, wrote a book about it, and I'm just curious to see. I mean, I know what I did. I'm just curious to find out what other people did. Um, that also, there's a, uh, a resonance there in the sense that, oh, okay, so maybe this person does kind of understand, having told his own story, uh, maybe where I'm coming from. So it's really about creating that space that is, um, number one, that's honest, authentic and uh, private. And if you can do that, I think people can become very, very honest. And I think, you know, when they start talking, then they find that, you know, you're not cutting in, you're not breaking in on them. They'll go places. And Mm-hmm. And, and then when you, and knowing that they're going to get all this information back in written form and, then, and then there we decide whether we got it right or whether we don't. And I think that's, uh, and you explain that out to somebody, then that's creating that space for that person. Now I say all that, I haven't tried it yet, but I say all that. <laughs> and I think, I think that's uh, and I'll learn from that experience myself, but I, I think people are, uh, for the most part, are pretty good with that
0: yeah that's very much my experience. It's, I really agree with you that it, it comes from you setting the space for yeah. that to happen. Yeah:. Or, and have it been there uh, obviously set up because you and I mean you, we, we talked about it uh, enough in this interview. we understand what it is to yeah. talk and not being seen or not being heard, yeah. well, so we, we, you, you have a sense of what is really listening to someone. Not just it's about it's, about
1: it's about them, not you.
0: Yes. And yeah. Some
1: people forget that. Yeah. They really do.
0: Yeah. Wow. So seems like a very interesting project. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to read the new book now. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> get my
1: butt in gear and, and <laughs> get back to working on it again. So uh, yeah, I need to do that.
0: So there's a question I am asking every guest on this podcast. Okay. And it's the core of what I'm doing. It's called Integrally Alive. So I'm asking okay. everyone, what makes you feel alive?
1: What makes me feel alive? Yes. Good question. It's almost a question you can't get wrong because everybody is, is different. Yes. What makes me feel alive? Um, what makes me feel alive is being mindful and in touch with who I am as a person. And I think for the first time in a long, long, long time, I've actually gotten to the point over the last, uh, probably year and a half where I actually really like who I am. I love myself and, and, and I've gone through steps of actually experiencing that. And over the last three or four months, I've actually realized that some of those kind of mindfulness awareness that I had is actually making a difference in my life on a day-to-day basis. So when I'm alive, I feel alive is when I'm really aware of who I am and what I'm doing on a day. We don't get it right every day, but when I'm there in, in that space I'm alive. I'm in the moment. I'm present. Um, whether that be at work or whether that would be friends or uh, a possible partner, you know, it, it just it makes you so appreciative and grateful of of that moment. And because that is the only time we can make choices is that moment. If the past, you can't make the past any better than it is or was, and we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We talk about resilience. So when I'm in that space, yeah, I'm really, I probably am more alive than I've ever been in my life. And um, that's huge for me, especially from where I came from. And uh, it's never too late. I don't care if you're 25 or you're 65. It doesn't matter. It's all about that journey and, and, and getting there. And you never really get there, really,
0: yeah. because
1: it's, it's ongoing. And, and that's the empowering part about it.
0: Wow. I love that. And you're so, you're so right. This is the only question I'm asking everyone. And it's so interesting. Yeah. I never got the same answer and they're all valid. Of course, they're all true. Yeah. But yeah, it's absolutely. really super interesting. Maybe actually one day, I, I will do a medley just with the answers of to, to this question yeah. for, for one episode, yeah. because it's so interesting yeah. to hear all of them and it really is inspiring yeah. actually. So what and call
1: and call the book, like what makes you live? What, what makes life worth living? And then put a, put a different thing on each page. Yeah. 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 And then people would say, yeah, I get that. I
0: feel like that. Yeah.
1: That's good. <laughs> There's so an idea
0: for you. <laughs> Thank you. Before we part, is there anything that you would like to say? And we didn't touch on. Oh, gosh.
1: We talked about so many things.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or well, like a last thought. You, you have one
1: to? There's, um, yeah, there's, um, it's a movement in the States, and it's all around suicide ideation and, 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 and people being much more aware about mental health. And uh, it, it's, their, their symbol is a semicolon. And uh, actually, I have it right here. I, I look at it every day. And it says a semicolon is used when an author could have chosen to end their sentence but chose not to. The author is you and the sentence is your life, which is a very powerful message because I think we all have choice and our choices are all in the moment. So the more people can be more aware and in tuned with what they're going through in the, in the present moment, I think that we have always opportunities to uh, respond to something Either that an experience, an event, or a person, rather than reacting, and that space, that awareness space, uh, goes a long way to making your own life fulfilling. And actually, that moment or or, or life of that other person, you do have an impact on that other person
0: mm.
1: because if 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 you're in an uncomfortable situation, it takes a reaction to make that situation grow in a negative way. However, if you're responding and you're not going there, that person has no choice but to, okay, let's have that conversation. So I think that's that's really, really important for people on a day-to-day basis. Just, yeah, there's things that happen. People say things to you and you can feel in your body where that anxiety is building. And if you can recognize that, then you can stop and kind of, okay, breathe and then, then your response will probably come to a much more fulfilling experience.
0: Yeah, so true. Yeah. I mean, I want to end this up, but it makes me think about, you know, when when we are struggling, we always tend to think this is the end. We can't, you were talking about tunnel vision, it's exactly that. It's like, oh, this is the end, it will always be like that. Yeah. And it's really difficult. But it is never the end and no. there is so many ways to yeah. to write the ending but it's really difficult to be in that possibility space yeah
1: but the, and and the, and those endings will change from today to yeah. tomorrow to the next week and uh, yeah. uh, the thoughts you have in your head don't define who you are as a person and if you, yeah. if you think about it as uh, Cause we do get caught up in it. It's like, this, this is my life. This is it. Like I, I'm stuck with what I'm stuck with. And it doesn't happen that way because those thoughts are like, uh, somebody said months uh, they're like uh, weather moving through your brain. Like it doesn't rain yes. 365 days a day. Like it, everything does move on. Everything does change. The only constant in our lives is change. Yeah. And it's interesting that most people have difficulty with change. They want things to stay as they are, but they never do. Like in, it, we're part of nature. Nature is doing one of two things. It's either living or it's dying. What, 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 what part of nature do you want to be a part of the living part or the dying part, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating subject that one.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, so it's a great conversation. I enjoyed it very much. And I'm sure the, uh, the listeners got so much from it. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Um,
1: Thanks for having me. And let, let's hope, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of pleasure. So you can find Rick on his website, rick-sharp.com. R-I-C-K-S-H-A-R-P-E.com. And his book is on Amazon, The Price of Heartbreak. And if you're more of a Facebook person, you can find him on Facebook with Rick Sharp Author. And of course, as every week, you will find the links in the, note, in the show notes for this episode on the website Integrally Alive. So that's, that's it. the end of this episode. Thank you so much Sharp for being with us today, sharing your story and wisdom. And I'm especially grateful for you stepping out like you do because of what we said about this being so more difficult for men than for women. So thank you for what you're doing.
1: Yeah, thank you for what you're doing as well. And I think the messages that you're conveying to everybody is indeed, uh, the more people that can do that, the better. But uh, thanks for what you're doing.
0: Thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening. So if you like what you hear, check the website, integrallyalove.com for the show notes, leave a comment. I love reading your feedbacks. Subscribe to the podcast and rate it on iTunes so you will help more people get access to this information. And until next time, until then, keep sparking life and going from live ish to alive. Bye, à bientôt.